Let's look to God in prayer. Thank you, O God, for this time, for this, as we look into your word, we pray that you would teach us. We pray, O God, that you would uh, transform our lives as we consider what it means to, um, to follow you, to follow you as the obedient one. Thank you, O God. Amen. As has already been stressed this morning, this is Palm Sunday. This is the day that the crowds proclaim that the Lord Jesus Christ is the king as he came riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. No, not on a stallion, not on a war horse, but instead riding on a donkey and the crowds proclaimed that Jesus is the king. Jesus, the king of kings, and Jesus, the Lord of lords. How incongruous, the master of the universe. How incongruous that he would be riding on a donkey or on a colt instead of the, the war horse, instead of the stallion. And as the plot thickens, the people who were cheering him, the people who were proclaiming his praise and his adoration, those may have been the same people who some days hence in the future would be proclaiming and would be exclaiming, crucify him, crucify him. It seems that the crowd of persons is able to turn on a dime. The will of the crowd becoming very boisterous and fickle. And we see this in our day and in our time with some of the political rallies that are taking place where a crowd can very quickly become unruly and unmanageable. So Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on this day. And later in the week, the crowd then yells out the polar opposite, opposite of what they are proclaiming now and proclaiming that his life needs to be taken. So, this is a day, a day where we might say where we have mixed emotions, similar to the sad and the happy times at the, a funeral observance where we think of the, the death and the loss of a loved one. We have a mixture of emotions because we know that the loved one is gone and the suffering is over, but yet also usually deep sadness and deep sorrow because we recognize that we will miss the particular, that particular person among us on this earth that loved one who is now gone from among us. And so it is a very common and an ordinary experience to have those mixture of emotions. And so this is the same or similar emotions that we experience on this day. And you may want to uh, uh, take some notes or fill in the blanks and you will have uh, the answers will be on the, on the PowerPoint so the and I'm coming to the very first one that uh, that um, uh, is listed there for today. That Palm Sunday 
is a day of mixed emotions, where on the one hand we feel dread due to the coming suffering of our Lord, but on the other hand we feel joy for the wondrous gift of salvation that God has given to us. This wondrous gift that God has given to us because of the death and the suffering of Jesus Christ, that he was willing to be obedient, that he was willing to go to the cross on our behalf. A number of denominations use the lectionary scriptures uh, as a guide for their worship and for their times together to guide the worship and the preaching. And there are times in my pastoral career where I have followed the lectionary for the lectionary scriptures uh, for at least part of the year. And two of the lectionary scriptures that were suggested for today are the passages that we will look at this morning from Psalm 31, verses 9 to 16, and also Philippians 2 then, verses 5 to 11. So the psalm passage, and we'll look at this passage first. It will be on the, on the PowerPoint. It's also um, in the Pew Bible. So Psalm 31, verses 9 to 16, where the psalmist says, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed with anguish, and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors, and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, You are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. So this passage here from the psalmist opens with a plea a plea asking God, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I'm in distress. My eye wastes away from grief, my soul and body also. So notice the effects of guilt. Notice the effects of sin on the person's body. And so the psalmist knew, even at that time, the psalmist knew what psychologists tell us today, that sin, that guilt, and that stress will have an effect on our body. This psalmist knew that there would be repercussions 
And there are repercussions that he is experiencing where he says, my eye wastes away from grief and my soul and body also. And then he says in verses 11 to 16 from the New Living Translation, I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I'm ignored as if I were dead, if I were a broken pot. I have heard many rumors about me, and I'm surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. So, in this passage, the psalmist's condition is exacerbated. It is increased even more because of the reaction of his people, of his friends and his neighbors. He is scorned. He is vilified. And because they are plotting to take his life. And he experiences the utter isolation that takes place because of his illness. It's interesting also to realize that Jesus had the Psalms, the Psalter. That was his scripture, part of his scripture. And Jesus knew this passage. Jesus knew this Psalm for he said one of the verses, verse 5, when he said, as he hung on the cross, he said, into your hands, into your hands, I commend my spirit. The leader resource says, and I quote, this psalm gives us good content to explore the laments of the psalmist and also take, help us to take a our look at our own vulnerabilities which Jesus exposes so clearly as the crowds turn on him on his journey to the cross. Vulnerability, they say, in others often terrifies us, end quote. Another passage of scripture for today to reflect on this Palm Sunday is from Philippians 2, 5 to 11 where the Paul, the writer, tells the hymn about Jesus in Philippians 2, 5 to 11. This is the example that we have for us as we follow Jesus, who was obedient to the Father. In your relationships with one another, Paul says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place 
and give him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jeff Wright, or Jeff Strite, I should say, tells a story about a soldier who had been assigned to guard duty during the night, throughout all the hours of the night. And early in the morning, the soldier reported to his commanding officer, who demanded, did you sleep well last night while you were on duty? What made you think I fell asleep, asked the surprised soldier. Look in the mirror, the commanding officer replied. And as the guard soldier stood before the mirror, he saw on his forehead the imprint of the Mercedes-Benz logo from his truck's steering wheel. There on his forehead was the logo, the trademark of his vehicle. And that trademark revealed something about him that he had fallen asleep on the job. End of quote. We also should follow the example of Jesus. We also should have Christ's trademark upon our lives so that persons can tell something about us by what is in our lives. That others can tell that we are following the example of Jesus, the one who was obedient to the will of the Father. Jesus, our mentor, Jesus, our example, was obedient to his death on the cross. Jesus did not, Paul says, Jesus did not exist or insist on his own way. Paul challenges the Philippians to think not only of themselves, but also to think of others. He confronts them. He tells them to be united, not, to, not necessarily to think alike, to think all the same, but to be pulling in the same direction. His instruction is found in chapter 2, verse 4, when he says, let each of you think, or each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. It appears that by our own human nature and by the culture around us that we are told many times to, to think of yourself, oneself first and to, we, to focus on our own needs. In our, in our consumer culture, we're told that we need to, to get what, whatever we want, whatever we desire, that we deserve, you deserve the best. That's what advertisers tell us. And if I don't get what I want for a good deal, then I'll take my business somewhere else. 
And it's so easy for us to have that same mentality into our, into our worship life, into our church experience, where I need to have my needs and the needs of my family provided for in a particular congregation, and if I don't find it here, then I'll move somewhere else. But in the marriage relationship, as well as in the relationships within the body life, within the church life, within the congregational life, we need to be concerned about and look out for the interests and the needs of others. In a marriage relationship, we need to be concerned about the needs of our spouse ahead of our own needs. D. Beth Breston reports in her book, quote, she says, I was blessed to have a husband who cherished me and sacrificed for me in countless little ways. He gave me foot rubs nearly every night, even when he was dying of cancer. He encouraged me to accept speaking assignments, even though he would need to be a solo parent on those weekends. She goes on and she says, he wore a wool cap and gloves to bed because I slept bed as best in a cold bedroom snuggled next to him under a downy quilt. His love for me released the trust in me that made our marriage one of sweet communion. His dominant desire in our marriage was not for himself, but for me. And then she concludes with these three words. How like Christ. End of quote. Paul says that we must have the same attitude as Christ. That the needs and the interests of others come ahead of our needs. We find later in the book of Philippians... Later in chapter 4, that two women leaders, two co-workers of the Apostle Paul, Iodia and Syntyche, were in conflict with each other. And these leaders were instructed to settle their disagreements because they belonged to the Lord. They were both in the church. They were both under the Lordship of Christ. And therefore, they needed to settle their disagreements. They needed to work it out. And so, too, in our day, as conflicts are part of the congregational life, we need to work through our differences under the Lordship of Christ so that we can all be going the same direction, be pulling the same direction. During Stewardship University, not yesterday, but a week before that, the Saturday prior to that, Conrad Kanegi, the pastor of Elizabethtown Mennonite Church, and also one of the one of the staff persons for Lancaster Mennonite Conference, in the seminar that he and his son led on conflict and in congregations, and also how that relates to mission. He emphasized that congregations are always in conflict. There's always something that needs to be worked out in, in, in congregations. But 
he also emphasized that we need to make conflict secondary to the priority of mission, to what God is calling us to do. And he emphasized that congregations do not exist for themselves. They do not exist just for us to provide our own needs and to provide for us. Instead, they exist for the community around us. Our God calls us to minister to the neighborhood where we are located. As a reminder to the church, Paul recorded, as, as I indicated, this particular hymn that we're looking at, this particular song about the obedience of Christ and also about the ex, uh, exaltation of Jesus as to, because Jesus was obedient, that he will be exalted as the one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he was the exalted one from the very beginning. He was part of God, part of the Godhead. He was God, he was equal to God the Father. In John 1.1, the word word with the capital W refers to Jesus. When John says, in John 1, says, In the beginning, the Word, notice the capital, already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as I said, that word, Word, refers to Jesus. And then John says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. So God or Jesus, was exalted from the very beginning. And he laid that aside to become human. Jesus came in the form of a slave, of a servant. And and in verse 7, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being as Paul says. Scholars refer to this as the kenosis passage, that where he gave up, he laid aside. He emptied himself, and that's what the word kenosis means, that he emptied himself of that royalty, of that Godhead, and took on the form of humanity. Jesus came as a very ordinary person, an ordinary person in the flesh. He was made in every way like you and me, except he did not sin. Hebrews 4.15 says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So Jesus did not come to earth with the power and the splendor but he came as a human being, but yet one who was obedient, who was subject to the will of the Father to go the way of the cross. And that's emphasized in verse 8, where, it's, where Paul says, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
So he gave himself completely, and the result of that obedience was death on the cross. He was put to death, not just an ordinary death, but he experienced the, the insults and the, the, the way that a common criminal was put to death at that time. Jesus, the person who had done no wrong, was one in his death, was identified along with criminals. And then, Paul says, that Jesus was obedient to the will of the Father, including death on the cross. And Paul says, we are to have this same attitude that Christ had. When he says in verses 4 and 5, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Christianity is a way of the cross. Christianity is a way of looking out for others rather than ourselves. Christianity is not for our own purposes, not for prestige, not for our power. And what we can do. We must instead. We must model. The attitude of Christ. And not that of society around us. Where we are instructed to look out for ourselves. To look out for number one. This Jesus. This one whom we follow. This obedient one. This Jesus the one whom we follow, gave up his own rights to become one of us. We are called, we are called to flesh out in our lives this Jesus who rode on a donkey, not on a stallion symbolizing royalty and power. Paul instructed the Philippians to have this same attitude And he instructs each of us today in our day in 2016 to have this same attitude as Christ, to be willing to give up your own rights, to be willing to go through inconvenience and suffering and hardship to follow this Christ who was completely obedient to God. Jesus was obedient to the Father. Jesus gave up his rights to God in order to be put to death on the cross, to follow. And so will you, will you also, will each of us, will we serve others? Will we serve our spouse? Will we serve others in the midst of the congregation? Will we serve others and look out for the interests of others rather than ourselves? Will you purpose in your heart to live this week so that the watching world will see the trademark of Jesus in your life. Will that be your life this week?